0: Welcome, welcome everyone to the Angels at Essex, Female Founders and Investors event. My name's Claire marie Boggiano and I'm your host today for this Angels at Essex, Female Founders and Investors. And this month, I'm delighted that Hattie Fawcett, which I think is the coolest name in the world ever, um, is, our, is going to speak to us from the investor angle. And that is interesting because Hattie, I know you have your own business and you actually support founders, but I've also heard you speak and it really helped me understand the landscape. So I'm gonna hand over to you now. And if you wanna introduce yourself, your organization and what you have, and I know you're gonna to talk to us a lot more about traction and what that means to investors. Thanks
1: Clare-Marie and I will quickly share my screen as well because I've got some slides to get the conversation going but I do see this as a conversation. Um, I don't necessarily have all the answers and I think it's always good to get lots of people's perspectives so whilst Clare-Marie has invited me to get a conversation going I do want to hear from you. I'm just the starter for 10 so um, give us your thoughts as we go. Um, and and there'll be chance for questions and observations at the end as well. But I should introduce myself quickly first. Um, I'm Hattie Fawcett. I'm the founder of Focus for Business. Um, Originally, I was a marketeer, 15-year career in marketing, marketing director at Moonpig, Woolworths.co.uk, did a stint at the BBC. Um, Then I did an MBA, and as part of that, um, entered a business plan competition which I didn't win, but it rekindled in me an inner entrepreneur that I had lost sight of. Um, So coming off the MBA, I joined a friend I made um, on that program in his startup, and we took the business from zero to three million turnover in two years, which was a roller coaster. but luckily I quite liked the journey. So I then um, carried it on by setting up my own business, which grew very fast. And so to make the most of the opportunity, I had to raise investment. I hadn't done that before. I didn't know what I was doing. I made loads of mistakes, but ultimately I raised 150,000 angel investments. And then I went on um, to do crowdfunding twice. Coming out of the business, I um, then looked after some of the investments Kelly Hoppen made when she was a dragon on the TV show Dragon's Den. So I've seen investment from both sides of the fence as a founder, what it takes to raise investment, but also what investors are looking for when they back your business. These days I run Focus for Business. It's a training and coaching business designed to make it quicker and easier for founders to raise investment. Um, And in the last 12 months, I've not run quite as well as John's team, but um, perhaps we're a slightly smaller team. But in the last 12 months, we've raised 4 million um, for the clients I worked with, with individual businesses, raising between 10,000 and 840,000 pounds. And I was also nominated a top 50 advisor Uh, by Enterprise Nation in the finance and funding category so it's been an exciting year but I was really pleased when Claire Marie asked me to come along and speak because I share the vision that angels at Essex have um, and that they're championing at the moment of of creating if you like a level playing field creating a community where founders and investors can speak to each other as equals and and join a conversation And and I don't think that's how it is at the moment. In fact, if I move to my next slide, there we go. I'll go so far as to say that it's like them and us at the moment. You can choose where you are. Is the them the founders and the us the investors? Or is the us the founders and the them the investors? It depends which side of the fence you're sitting on. And, you know, as a founder, you might be sitting there going, oh, how do I work out what investors want to hear from me? How do I know if I've got my business far enough to attract investment? Are investors going to take all my equity and leave me nothing? As an investor, you might be sitting there going, well, there's all these amazing businesses out there. How do I choose which one I want to back? you might be thinking how do I make sure they're going to use my money wisely have they got their business far enough that it's going to have a significant impact if I put my investment in and you might be thinking how am I going to make money is there ever going to be an exit is the valuation appropriate to the stage they're at you know And really, when you think about it, these are all the same issues. We're all dealing with that idea of we want to create value and what is the best way to do it. So put another way, you could say we're all on the same seesaw, that risk and reward seesaw. And you know what? Um, Investing in early stage businesses and building an early stage business is risky. Nine out of 10 businesses fail in the first two years of trading. That's a fact. And the sort of risk that you're focused on um, in those early stages, there's three key things I'd suggest and interested to hear your opinions in a moment. But I think the first risk is about um, problem and solution fit. So what is the problem that customers are experiencing and has the business got the right solution to that problem? Are people going to want to buy the product? Put another way. The second one is about product market fit. Can you sell your product to customers? Have you identified who the customers are? Can you get the messaging right so they understand what the the product is and is the pricing right so they can afford it? That's product market fit. And the third, once you've got those in play, is about the product channel fit. Can you um, distribute your product through more distribution channels by perhaps tweaking the attributes of the product and and building partnerships with distribution channels? Because that's the key to kind of mass marketing, which is where the VCs then start to get interested and involved. And as a founder, when you're looking at these risks, you're thinking, well, what is the strategy I have to put in place to overcome those risks? And as an investor, you're thinking, what is the strategy they're applying? And do I do I believe that if I put my investment in, it's actually going to move the business to the next level, i.e. create value? So we're all looking at this risk reward. We're all looking at the risks. And the reward, I think, is where traction comes into play, because it's about evidence. As a founder, you need to evidence that your strategy is the right way to grow the business. And as an investor, you need to interrogate that strategy and test for yourself. Is it the right way to use your money to make that business grow? And is it going to deliver a return for you? So we're all on this seesaw. We're in it it together, if you like. And and for me, as we assess this risk and reward, that's where traction comes into play. So traction is about evidencing what you've achieved so far. It's about evidencing that your strategy is the right one because it eliminates risks. And for me, traction is an equation. It's really simple. It's about minimum viable product. Have you got a product that solves a problem? That's the first risk. It's about can you, um, product market fit, have you identified who your customers are and can you reach out to them and sell to them? And then the third piece for me is about a proven and predictable marketing machine. If you've got MVP and first customers and you multiply them by a proven and predictable marketing machine, then the business is going to grow and you've got traction, that holy grail. Now, as an investor, my suggestion to you is that you want to look for evidence of traction and as a founder my suggestion to you is you need to make it really clear by by providing that evidence to investors that you've got the right strategy now depending where you are on the journey of building traction you may have different um, different ways of demonstrating the evidence For some some things, the holy grail is real hard metrics, key KPIs, key performance indicators. But if you're really early in the journey, you may not have as many metrics as you'd like, but you can still do things to evidence the journey you're on. And I've thrown some ideas up on the screen here, but interested to hear from, from the group in a moment what you use to evidence these different areas. So if you haven't yet got to minimum viable product, You can still provide evidence you can provide evidence about the market research there's lots of um uh, companies who do research into key markets get your hands on that research and use it better still go and talk to some of your target customers do some one-to-one qualitative interviews get their understanding of the problem and talk to them about how your product might solve that problem for them and test whether they agree with it Better still start building the minimum viable product and giving it to people to play with and use. Um, and, and then as they start using your product, get them to articulate the benefit. What does your product do? Does it save them time? Does it save them money? Does it allow them to do something they couldn't previously view, do? Once you've got to MVP and you're working on getting your first customers, Maybe you haven't got them yet, so what could you do? You could interview people as a, um, and, and understand the problem better so you get the language, because the language then helps you to sell better. Once you've got some customers, you can run some case studies with them, uh, allow them to articulate um, what it is that, that they perceive as the benefit of your product and use those case studies to market, market them to get more customers. For most people, the holy grail is getting customers and increasing those numbers. So you've got your first five customers. Can you get to 50? Can you get to 100? To 1000? What's it going to take to get more and more? And obviously with that comes increasing revenue, which hopefully gives you some, some money, some budget to go and do a bit more marketing. Coming on to the marketing, lots of things you can do to evidence your marketing. Do some little, if you haven't yet got big budgets, run some social media trials, do some registration emails, get people to sign up saying they're interested in your product. As soon as you get your hands on some budget, run some tests, do some Facebook ads, some Google ads, some LinkedIn ads, whatever seems to be appropriate on a small scale initially to test what works and what doesn't. You want to build this um, this engagement mechanism and show provide evidence that it works so that investors can say, can see that if you spend X amount of pounds on Y number of marketing channels, you get Z number of new customers. X plus Y equals Z. Think about conversion rates, think about the cost for acquisition. It needs to be less than the customer lifetime value, the CLV. These are the sort of metrics, the sort of evidence that is traction. Now the way I do this is um, I bring people together in two communities. I, like John, I run a funding accelerator, but I also run an Investor Bootcamp. And what I wanna do is break down the wall between us. That, that What I've demonstrated there is a dotted line. Uh, I wanna bring um, break down that line, which is why I was delighted to come here and speak. And a quick request before we throw this open to questions. Um, I'm currently doing um, a little bit of research and development to improve my programmes and to to perhaps see if there is a better way of doing this. And I'm really interested to conduct some research interviews. I'm practising what I preach, I'm doing my customer product market fit, uh, sorry, my uh, problem solution fit uh, interviews. And if there are any founders who could spare 45 minutes to talk about the funding journey, I would like to speak to them. If there are any investors who could spare 45 minutes to talk about the challenges they find in um, assessing which businesses to back, I would like to talk to them. Probably the best way to do that is through um, connect with me either via email and the email's on the screen there or via LinkedIn as you feel appropriate. But that's my story.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Williams. I'm co-founder and we are a sustainable hair care brand that makes our products in aluminum cans, which means that our packaging is plastic free and our formulations are specifically designed for kinky, coily, curly and wavy hair textures. So our products are accessible as well as sustainable. And I am really pleased to have the opportunity to talk to you today about traction, and what's that that is meant for my business, and also what it means as we undergo our uh, investment round, which we've just opened. So Hatsi talked earlier about traction and her formula for how to gain traction and demonstrate that to an investor and I wanted to share the reality or the experiences that I had in terms of gaining traction for my own business and what I'll do is I will talk about each of the elements of the equation separately and hopefully you find this inspiring and um, I welcome any questions and happy to share uh, more insights after this talk as well. So the first area is around MVP and We launched to the public in October 2019, but we worked on the brand for a year before that. So we spent that time uh, speaking to potential customers, gathering our market research, um, secondary research, thinking about our customer, where she shopped, uh, what her pain points are, um, how we would interact with her from a marketing point of view, and I think the biggest learning we had when we brought our first product out to market was that the MVP stage, it's iterative. It's constantly evolving as your customers evolve. And to give you an example of that, we house our products in aluminum cans, in the humble aluminum can. And when we set up our first trade show, we had people coming up to us really excited saying, oh, thank goodness you're here. I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And we realized that people were confusing our product with a drink because people don't expect to see shampoo in uh, in cans, they're used to seeing shampoo in plastic bottles. And we also started receiving feedback that people wanted to know how to close their product whilst they whilst uh, not in use to prevent spills in the shower. So our MVP needed an iteration, and we developed the Kisoni Cap, which is a 3D printed device that just sits on top of the cap and allows you to close or on top of the can and allows you to close the product when not in use. And that for us was such a key, such a key piece of information that we would have to keep iterating on our MVP. That we're not finished when we have our MVP. And to that end, we kept listening to our consumers, getting feedback from our consumers. And later this year, we will be launching Casoni 2.0, which based on all the conversations we've had with our customers, it's an updated piece of packaging that our customers want, i.e. the product being travel friendly, and also that our retailers want. So that's part one of the equation, MDP. The second part of the equation, first customers, is really interesting. And the biggest learning I have from this is be willing to test your assumptions. So like most founders, we had our business plan. We had an idea of the target customers that we wanted to reach. And we had three main types of customers. First, the environmentalist, who would buy Kasoni as a function of protecting the environment. Second health and wellness consumers who are involved in maybe becoming vegetarian or vegan or yoga or other mind body activities and third quality hunters so people who believe that natural products are the most effective and we thought that of all these groups that the environmentalists would be most keen to use our products. And we went to our first trade shows and we were really surprised that they weren't as excited that Kisodi was here as we were. And what we actually found was that consumers who were at the beginning or middle stages of their sustainability journey, who were maybe overwhelmed with all of the choices that are available, we're gravitating towards Casoni and returning and buying Kasoni over time. So <clears throat> that willingness to pivot away from what we had in our business plan was really important for us as we grow. And it was also a really important learning for us that that listening always has to be in place. We always have to be listening to our consumers because, They evolve, just as our product will evolve, they will evolve as well and we want to make sure that we delight them every time and answer um, the pain point that they have in terms of having a sustainable product that actually works for their hair type. The third area of the equation is my favorite, the marketing machine, because I am a marketer by trade. I spent the last 15 years of my career um, in sales and marketing roles for um, lifestyle brands and health and wellness brands. And the marketing machine is incredibly important in to grow the brand and to demonstrate to investors that this will be a profitable business and the main learning i have here is your marketing mix for your business is your unique mix it 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 can't be replicated from somebody else's business and for us for example we know that our marketing machine our particular marketing machine um, is made up primarily of PR, influencer and sampling. And many investors say to us things like, well, what about social ads? Because everybody um, has heard that story about brands that blow up on Instagram and get all sorts of conversions on Instagram. And we often get asked about um, going direct to consumer as well. And for us, because we look at our customers and the way that they like to shop, we know that what works best for us is to do PR influencer sampling and not to invest in, in social ads or to focus only on one channel because we've tried it and we've seen the impact on not only our conversion, but our customer acquisition cost. So, but, but once you've done the, the background work, it's really, easy or it is easier to defend your marketing strategy, your unique marketing strategy, and why that may look different to another brand that they they know, that your investor may know or may already be um, working with. The last thing I'd like to say about traction is, I find it really helpful to break it down into many milestones because we're often on the hamster wheel as founders of constantly trying to go, grow and being in the midst of issues and problems. And it can leave us feeling really burnt out or demotivated or uh, feeling like if we haven't gotten anywhere. So one thing that I like to do is I like to write all of my wins for the month down in the notebook uh, just so that I can look back on it and see how Casoni has grown from a twinkle to a business on, on the verge of explosive growth after our funding round. And it's, it's important to celebrate because traction, it's a journey. It's, it's, it's not just reaching the end point of exit or whatever the plan is for your business. So I hope these insights were helpful. And thank you again for the opportunity to speak about traction with you today. And till next time, speak then.
0: Okay. So thank you everyone for joining us at this month's angels at Essex, female founders and investors networking event. We've really enjoyed you coming along today. And for those of you that are catching up on the podcast Um, do look out for the next event so that you can get the full live experience we'd love to see you there Um, we're we're taking a short break now for the summer uh, but we will be back in September um, 2021 and in fact I would advise you to hold the date of the 30th of September and in the meantime please follow us on Twitter we're at Angels Essex FFI and you can also catch up on previous events via the podcast and with our video recaps and to, to do that simply uh, search angels at essex on youtube so thank you very much everyone and uh, we're looking forward to connecting with you and seeing you at another event very soon cheers